to make sure you are networking while you're on top, right? Because everyone will remember how you treat them, you know, when you have everything going on. When you retire, everyone then expects you to be reaching out to contacts. But if you do it while you're playing, again, you know, however you treat them in that moment is how they'll treat you for the remainder of your life. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Everett, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolstra, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Excited that we have two great guests on the podcast this week. Andrew Hawkins, former NFL wide receiver, played with the Cleveland Browns. This guy is remarkable. I mean, we always talk on this show, we talked to Tim Howard earlier in the year, about when you're an athlete, maximize your opportunities while you're playing to network and set up your post-career This guy has done it flawlessly. He got his MBA while he was playing from Columbia. He's transitioned seamlessly into a career in broadcasting, podcasting, and he's the director of business development for LeBron James's Uninterrupted. So, guy's killing it. Uh, He's doing a great job on the NFL Network, and he just has a really interesting story. I know we have a lot of athletes that listen to this podcast, and I think the blueprint has been laid out here really well by Andrew Hawkins, and he's a guy I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. Super smart, and uh, looking forward to that conversation. Then Greg Serpak, the president and chief operating officer of a company called Second Skull. You might have heard me talk about them before. My daughter had a concussion on the soccer field a few months ago. And as part of her coming back and returning from concussion, I wanted her to have some kind of protection to her head. Second Skull has great headbands and headgear and things like that that athletes can wear, whether you're a football player, a soccer player, lacrosse player, that offers another layer of protection when your athlete is on the field. They've received a grant from the NFL. They're doing some really good things in this area. So we'll talk to Greg on today's show as well. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh bit of busy time in sports, but I got to tell you, last night we watched Monday Night Football, <laughs> Cowboys, Giants, and the Black Cat stole the game. <laughs> he sure did, man. I love it when the animals run out and to just disturb the whole game because it's epic. It always is. It's great. And the best part was that... The social media blew up yep, after that, yep. right? So you've got <laughs> Kevin Harlan's call of the black cat. He seamlessly on radio ro- rolls right into a call, even fit in a sponsor read, <laughs> which was a mar. He's like, and the black cat scores a touchdown. This touchdown brought to you by so and so. And you're it. just like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Um, all the reactions that ESPN got from the people 
getting their phones out and yep. everyone trying to catch the black cat. But then the other video that came out that was funny was the person who has three black cats at home <laughs> and they saw their brethren, the black cat, on the football field at MetLife Stadium and the black cats hovered around <laughs> the flat screen TV in this person's home as if to say, hey, there's one of our own on the football field. Let's watch. It's it's amazing. I saw videos with dogs. Yep, yep. They were barking like the animals know when another animal <laughs> is, is on TV. I guess the moral is I have a dog, so maybe from now on I just need to leave Animal Planet on yeah. the TV when I'm gone, and, and my dog will be perfectly entertained. It's totally true. There's actually a channel called Dog TV. And they literally have like scientifically proven what like cats and dogs like to watch. Yeah. And they'll sit there and just watch it. It's hilarious. Wow. Yeah. Do you have dog TV? We had like a trial on it one time and we watched it and sure enough our dog just sat there and just was like mesmerized. Mesmerized. <laughs> it was like zebras running around and random like <laughs> waterfalls. <laughs> it was crazy. But we were saying there was probably more social media interaction for last night's yeah. Monday night football game because of the black cat. Not having anything to do with the game, no. but the black cat, than for any Monday night football game in the last couple of years. Isn't that funny how just a spontaneous Crazy. moment? And the other thing that we talked about is ESPN did a great job of getting kind of the slow-mo of the black cat. Because, you know, there's a play going on, and then the announcers are like, well, there's a black cat on the field. And then they have the slow-mo of the black cat kind of just like prancing on the field like a boss like the black cat owned the game like i'm in charge everything going on now and yeah the slow-mo of the black cat coming on the field if you haven't seen it you gotta get on it's social great. media and see it but it's very funny all the content that came from this black cat running on the field for what two minutes yep it's crazy and i love just this is where social media is fun too because you get all the memes and you get the people's videos from different angles and you get that this is what my cat did it's it's just awesome well and then the day before there's a great meme of baker mayfield at his press (laughs) conference looking like true detective part four yes so people brought those they're like the only person who can solve how the black cat got on the field (laughs) is true detective Uh, baker mayfield and they show him with his bad mustache and his you know odd looking outfit that he had on at his press conference but yeah that is the fun thing about social media like there's a lot of bad things about social media right but you know i love when twitter takes off over things like the black cat or the baker mayfield meme (laughs) and uh it was really good since our last show the Golden State Warriors have been absolutely devastated by injuries. So, you know, we knew they started the season without Clay Thompson. Now, Steph Curry has broken his hand. He's out for three months. Draymond Green has torn a ligament in his thumb. So they're basically trotting out like a G League team yeah. for the rest of the season. And one of the things that's interesting is they have 29 more appearances on national TV. And I'm wondering, and I haven't received the answer to this, if there's anyone out listening that has the answer to this, at me at uh, SB Radio on Twitter. Can the NBA flex these games? You know how in the NFL, like, okay, Sunday night football's on, but there's actually a better game than the Jets-Dolphins, so we're going to flex that into Sunday night. Can the NBA, like, flex out of... Yeah. The Warriors question. games? Because who wants to see 29 games of a G League team? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I would you would think there'd be an out for that, but I don't know because I've never really noticed it for NBA games because they usually schedule such, you know, primetime games that normally have at least a player you want to see, you know, whether it's LeBron or, a, you know, whoever it is. So it, that'll be interesting to see. But you're right. There's a lot of Warriors on TV. It is interesting, though, because, you know, if you just 
if you still had Steph and, and Draymond out there and D'Angelo Russell, you could say, all right, this team's going to compete for the seven or eight spot in the West for the playoff. Now, there's no way they make the playoffs. And what this actually allows them to do is after five years of deep playoff runs and lots of wear and tear on the tires, so to speak, you can kind of let these guys have the year off yeah. and reset. And, I mean, when you're giving guys the year off and they're making $30 million plus, not bad. It's a little bit <laughs> discerning, but it is a good opportunity for them to reset. They're going to get a high draft pick. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit about the, the Spurs. When uh, David Robinson got hurt, the Spurs were really good the season before. They sucked when he only played six games. And then, lo and behold, they get the number one pick and they get Tim Duncan and you're set up. The problem is there's no Tim Duncan right. in next year's draft. There's some good players, but there's no one you look at and go, ooh, it's LeBron right. or it's Tim Duncan. Zion. Yeah. yeah, even you know, as much as we love Zion, he is a injury risk. There's yeah. no one that you can look at and say, that is the guy that is 100% going to be a 15 to 20 year player in the NBA and he's going to get us back to championship caliber. But what it does allow Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green to do is rest their bodies after five years of deep playoff run. So it's going to be interesting. But the other thing this has done for the NBA, it's wide open. Oh yeah. And not that the Warriors were going to win a championship again, but the West is wide open, and you've got teams like the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. who beat Philadelphia last night, yeah. and you know they're resurging. And Lakers are getting better. Lakers are getting better. Clippers look awfully good with yeah. Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi is just—it's amazing how when he came into the league, he was just a defensive guy. Yeah, and he was a guy that was pretty good in the open court. What he has made himself into offensively is remarkable. And speaking of what someone has been made into offensively, I tweeted this out on Sunday night. How about the Ravens beating the Patriots, the previously undefeated Patriots? There is no team in the NFL, no unit in the NFL, that has done what the offense of the Ravens has done this season. Griggs, they were, you know, a Joe Flacco step-back quarterback traditional offense for years under John Harbaugh. And they said, all right, we got this really special player, Lamar Jackson. And instead of making him fit into our schemes, which so many teams do, right? They draft you and they go, you got to play our offense. You got to learn our offense. They said, you know what? This guy's special. We are going to bring in an offensive coordinator who is going to create an offense that is going to play to his strengths. So we're throwing our previous offensive playbooks out the window and starting from scratch with Lamar Jackson. And you know what? It's worked brilliantly. It's amazing. And this guy, I don't know. I mean, the defense in the NFL, the Patriots have played amazing this year. They gave up 37 points to Lamar Jackson. And Bill Belichick, who usually takes away your top two or three things and makes you beat him with something else, he had no answer for Lamar Jackson. So, you know, I look at teams like Baltimore, and you go, all right, they've got a good defense, they can run the ball, and their quarterback's pretty much unstoppable. Those are the teams that can have deep playoff runs, yep. because they can play in any kind of weather. They're used to playing in the cold in Baltimore if you're hosting in a AFC Championship game, or if you have to go to New England to play in the AFC Championship game there. But they've got to scare the daylights out of everyone. Because they can travel and play in any condition, and you've got a quarterback who, 
I mean, some of the plays he made where he just separated the, the New England defense, you just look at it and say, there's really no defense for that. You can plan for that as much as you want, but you can't stop that. When Baltimore is on, you are watching. I mean, they are yeah. so explosive. He is so fun to watch. And the thing I love about him, too, is he protects himself. He runs really smart. He knows where he's going. He doesn't take the hits, even for a running quarterback. He just knows where to go on the field to get out of bounds or whatever to take the slide. And that's fun to watch, too, because he's not going to get destroyed, most likely, in the defensive side of it. Well, and how interesting is it, Griggs, if you look at the MVP race right now, Let's take Tom Brady and Christian McCaffrey out. But if you look at Russell Wilson, if you look at uh, Lamar Jackson, if you look at Patrick Mahomes, if you look at Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. those are teams that threw the playbook out and they said, we're riding with our specially talented quarterback and we're going to play to their strengths. And all of those teams are thriving. Right. And give them credit because they didn't go, well, we're going to bring in the drop-back quarterback. We're going to do it the way we've always done it. And this is why you've heard me say a million times on this show. If your answer to something is, we're going to do it the way we've always done it because that's how we've always done it, that's not a good answer. No, You can't take a special talent or a special product and treat it the same as everything that came before it. You have to think outside the box and you have to be creative as to how to take advantage of that. And that's what those teams have done, but it's made for a pretty exciting NFL season, and Griggs, just like we talked with the NBA, NFL's kind of wide open, too. There's four or five teams that you look at and go, alright, they could they could win it all this year. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, It's been a fun season, and how about the 49ers? We haven't mentioned them. I mean, they are just uh, clicking, and they look good, and same kind of deal. It's just a strong defense and a, and a good offensive line, and they've let... Uh, uh, Garoppolo? Yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, he's killing it. He looks great back there. He's, he's doing awesome. great. Nick Bosa has been, yeah, I mean, really, in his last three games, he's become unstoppable. Yeah. And their defense is really good. So there's another team that, I mean, you saw them play on that sloppy Washington field yeah. in D.C. a few weeks ago when it was raining. They can travel to anywhere sure. and play in any condition, too, because they can run the ball, they can play defense. And if, you know, Jimmy G can help you guys put 17 points on the board in a playoff game, you're probably going to be able to limit the other team to less than 17 points. So pretty interesting stuff. Last but not least, how about the D.C. Nationals, the Washington Nationals? Uh, just a great run. I'll have to say, when I went to D.C. this summer, I have some friends who love the Nationals. And they were like, you know, we just like this team. Even though Bryce Harper's gone, we like how they play together. Juan Soto's an up-and-comer. Anthony Rendon, they've put everything into their pitching with Strasburg and Scherzer, but we just like the makeup. They're a likable bunch of people. Not a lot of drama. And Griggs, you look at the run that they had. So we laughed on last week's show and we're like, there's no way that this whole series is going to go seven games and the road team is going to win every game. We will never see that again. It's never happened in the history of sports, not only in Major League Baseball, but in any not the NBA, not the NHL. There's never been a series where the road team has won every single game. And that happened in this. And you have to give the Nationals so much credit for being resilient, for sticking together. When there were big moments, they didn't, you know, go down to the big moment. Like their hitters came up big, Rendon and, and Soto specifically. Their pitchers, you know, their bullpen hadn't been great this year, but you know, uh, Davey Martinez brings in Patrick Corbin and he gives you three or four innings of long relief and Scherzer just, you know, gut check and Strasburg. So 
It was one of those runs that was totally unexpected. I mean, if you think about the wild card game, it's the ninth inning. They're down yeah. to Milwaukee. You think they're going to get eliminated. Crazy. And then they go on and win the World Series. So they were on the brink of elimination. They had several elimination games during the playoffs. Houston was the heavy favorite. Mattress Mac lost $12 million, yeah. who you know put all that money down. But kudos to the Nationals because, you know, when you look at teams, you look at the collective and maybe there aren't superstars, even though you could say Rendon and Soto and Strasburg and Scherzer are superstars, but they just felt like a collective and they really rooted for each other. And I love the celebrations they did in the dugout, like when they would do, Adam Eaton would do the driving car and it was just, they were having fun. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they seem like it was such a team effort, a team win and just a fun collaboration as the whole team came together. And it's fascinating to win all the games on the road. I mean, that is just quite an accomplishment. And how about DC now? You've got the Nationals, you had the Capitals, the Mystics. Uh, they've become a city of champions. Yeah. So it's cool. Again, after being there this summer and seeing kind of the sports culture a little bit more uh, up close, it it was fun to watch the Nationals come through. All right, coming up next, Andrew Hawkins, former NFL wide receiver turned podcaster, broadcaster, and business person. He's really laid the blueprint on how you go from your playing career to your post-career. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and university stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Blinder is the way high-performance teams connect their talent with the media and fans. It lets communications managers provide unprecedented access to their athletes, entertainers, and executives while respecting everyone's privacy and time. Blinder makes phone calls magic. Request a demo today at blinderhq.com backslash SB radio. Joining us now on the Blinder guest line is Andrew Hawkins, former NFL wide receiver. He works for the NFL Network as a host and a media personality. He's also a podcast host and the director of business development for Uninterrupted. You can follow him on Twitter at Hawk. Hawkins played six seasons in the NFL, three with the Cincinnati Bengals, three with the Cleveland Browns. Hawkins made the NFL despite being an undrafted free agent out of the University of Toledo. While playing in the NFL, Hawkins earned a master's degree from Columbia. By the way, he got a 4.0. 
Currently, Hawkins hosts the Tomahawk Show podcast on Uninterrupted alongside former All-Pro offensive tackle and current NFL Network analyst Joe Thomas. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you today? I'm good, bro. I appreciate you having me. I got to start by saying, you know, I know you started off as an athlete, but man, you got pipes for podcasting and broadcasting. I, you got a good voice for this. I appreciate it. And it's early in the morning, so my, my, my voice levels are peak right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did I see recently it was Andrew Hawkins Day in Johnstown? What's that about? Yeah, man, I got I got my own day in my hometown, kind of a hometown hero situation. Uh, I come from a very small football town, man, and, you know, whenever I made the NFL, a couple people behind the scenes pulled some strings, and, yep, 1020 is Andrew Hawkins Day in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. How'd you celebrate? <laughs> you know what? I forgot about it, <laughs> actually. I'm the only person on planet Earth that actually does remember it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just watched some football, and actually, I worked. How about that? That's what I do on my holiday. See, I worked my job. You're a grinder, man, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, is I just love your story. So, you're undrafted free agent out of University Toledo. You still find a way to play six years in the NFL, you tracked down Maverick Carter and became friends with him, and now you're director of business development for Uninterrupted. I just love the fact that you grind. Where does the grinding come from? Where do you get that? You know what? I, I just feel like being underestimated, especially in the game of football. You know, I grew up obviously loving sports um, and around a people who were reasonable people and realistic people who said that, hey, to, to play in the NFL – you're going to need to be this tall. You're going to need to have this going on. You're going to need to have that thing going on. And I didn't have it, right? So at that point in my life, I just had to make the decision that if things are going to happen for you, if you want things to come to fruition, you can't leave it up to chance. You have to control as many variables as you can. And throughout my entire journey, man, that's that's just who I am. And the people around me know that's my formula for success, that if I want something, I'm going to exhaust uh, every avenue and, and, and every possibility in order to make that thing happen. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But the other thing that's remarkable about you is while you're playing in the NFL, you earned your MBA at Columbia, and I think you got a 4.0. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yep. Uh, You know, I I mean, I've always loved business. I've always loved sports. And, you know, there was an opportunity to to, to get my, my master's degree, which I've always wanted to do. And I just thought to myself, well, why wait? You know, I have off-season time, um, you know, and, and I just understood the value proposition of, of getting a, a head start on life after football. So went right away and was, it was essentially commuting across the country every off-season, every week, back and forth to the Upper West Side in New York City to take classes. And, yep, graduated with a 4.0 in 2017. That's amazing. It's, it's really refreshing. You know, obviously I have a lot of athletes on this show, and – more and more of them are really starting to think about post-career. And it used to be you waited until the last year or two of your career to think about, what do I want to do after I'm done playing? Now they're thinking about it during their career and early in their career. Are you noticing that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Even to the point where, you know, I, I can remember a time that it was looked down upon for an athlete to be thinking about off-the-field things or after the, their, their careers were over. And now I think it's the opposite where, if you aren't considering those things even a little bit, people kind of look at you at a side eye now, like, oh, wow, man, you're, you're missing out on opportunities. And I, for one, love it because I think for a lot of the players um, and, and a lot of the, the, 
the, the, the guys that have post-career success, not just professionally, but also in their personal life, is that they find a passion for something outside of their sport because they've spent their entire lives, you know, dictating their schedule and their focus around one thing. So when that thing is over, a lot of guys are, are lost. And, and with the way that you're talking about, people are seeing and finding their passion in other things so that when, it, when their sports career does end, they have something else to look forward to. They have something else to work towards. They have other goals. So I just think I think it's a great trend, and I, and I think you're right in saying that. You know that that's the mindset of a lot of professional athletes nowadays. Well, and the other thing they're doing, like I had Tim Howard on uh, a few months ago, yeah. and he talked about the importance of while you're relevant and while you're still playing, you have access to a lot of great people, and and they want to talk to you yeah. because you're relevant. Not a lot of athletes understand that, and and you do have to kind of maximize your relevancy while you have it. When you were playing in the NFL for six seasons, who were some people that you met that left an imprint on you that you said, you know what, that's a really good lesson, or that's someone I want to continue to stay in touch with into my post-career? You know what, I mean, it, it would probably be easier for me to try to, to think of people that I didn't think that towards. I mean, that was that was my entire process as a professional. Um, and my, my journey to the NFL is what kind of helped me stumble upon that. And also my older brother played nine years in the NFL too. So I had a front row seat of things he did right, things he didn't do. And he kind of just opened the curtains up for me. So while I was playing, yes, I was a, I was a networker to the 10th degree. I mean, Maverick Carter is an example. Um, Junior Bridgman, you know, I, I would, I would get jerseys and, and just look for people that I, I seen doing special things that I was super impressed with. And I'm like, man, I would love to learn more from them. I would go get a game jersey. I would sign a game jersey and send it to them with a card, find their address, send it to them out of nowhere. They would get the jersey. And then, you know, just like that, we've had, you know, lifelong relationships. I would fly across the country. If somebody said, hey, I'm available for lunch on Friday. Wow. I'm in Cleveland and it's a Thursday. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be in town. And I would go online, Priceline, and buy a flight fly out there that night, eat eat lunch with them, and then fly right back to Cleveland because I, I knew how important it was for, like Tim said, to, to, to make sure you are networking while you're on top, right? Because everyone will remember how you treat them, you know, when you have everything going on. When you retire, everyone then expects you to be reaching out to contacts. But if you do it while you're playing, again, you know, however you treat them in that moment is how they'll treat you for the remainder of your life. Hmm. Great advice. So I want to talk about Maverick Carter. It's funny. So I'm in Portland, Oregon. This is where we're based. And I used to do a lot of consulting for Nike. And I knew Maverick mm-hmm. when he was an intern at Nike and was wow. working for Lynn Merritt. And, you know, I saw the infancy of Maverick Carter in his, you know, business world. And now yep. I see what he's grown into. But for you, Maverick was someone that you wanted to meet. You knew you wanted to do business with. A, why did you want to do business with him? And B, I've read different variations of how you actually tracked him down to meet him and, and eventually start mm-hmm. working with him. But give us that story. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it was just, honestly, I just was impressed with how, you know, he, LeBron, and Rich Paul, Randy, like their whole uh, set and group of friends kind of conducted themselves in the business world, right? Or even like, they were thirsting for knowledge. So when I signed with Cleveland in 2014, which was my version of a, of a big contract, um, I was a starting receiver. And as soon as I got to Cleveland, and I went to school at the University of Toledo, which isn't far from Cleveland. So I knew a, a lot of people in the city. 
Um, so I was reaching out to everybody to get connected with Maverick, not to, you know, hang out, not to, you know, be friends with LeBron. No, I, I wanted to learn, right? And and I understood that when I was done, I wanted to go into sports business. And, um, you know, who better to learn from than someone But at, at that time that had 10-plus years of doing that and working with athletes and working with every big brand that you can imagine and running the corporations of the biggest athlete in the world. And even this was at the beginning stages of the empire that they've, they've built now. Um, but for me, I just wanted to learn. That was, that was my only motivation. Um, and it took me a while. I was like hitting everybody up that I knew. Um, eventually actually, um, Johnny Manziel, whose agent was friends with Maverick. Um, yeah, Eric, connected me and Maverick and that's how we got connected and I was like hey man I, I just want to intern or job shadow or have lunch and again at the time I was the leading receiver of the Cleveland Browns so he's kind of like man what are you talking about and I'm like dude in the off season, anything you have like I don't care if it's during the week while I'm here in Cleveland I will come do whatever is necessary eventually I hounded him enough he took me seriously he's like well look we just started a new property called Uninterrupted out in LA if you're out that way let me know I'm like I will be Picked up the family, rented a house, <laughs> moved us out there uh, for four for five months, and, and interned with him in the company. And you know, the rest is history, man. I've been here ever since. So what I love about you is when you're in on something, you're all in. Like some people yeah, go in with yeah. a, a toe in the water. You're all in, and, and frankly, I'm the same way. So I, it's refreshing yeah. to talk to someone else who has the kind of the same mindset, and uh, you mm-hmm. see something that you want, and you figure out how am I going to get this? How am I going to make this yep. happen? And you know, kudos to you for making it happen. So now you're the director of business development for Uninterrupted. You fast forward to today, real time. Yep. What does that mean? And, and what is an attractive piece of business for Uninterrupted, in your opinion? I mean, the cool thing about Uninterrupted is that we, we do so much business. Um, and, I, and I remember the intern days where, you know, when I came here as an intern, um, my task and the things I was helping the company build um, were completely different. At the time, we were trying to introduce ourselves to the market, not just the market of consumers and viewership, but also athletes. And I had friends who were athletes that I would say, hey, you know, do you, I might Uninterrupted, you know, are you interested? Like, what is that? So then I had to come up with a plan to, when I talked to them, make it seem like Uninterrupted was this super cool thing that they were missing out on. Like, oh, you, you've never heard of Uninterrupted? You know, and it was <laughs> the plan around that. And it was, you know, to position us um, with the content creators who are the athletes um, in a way where they felt a sense of community. They, they felt a sense of unofficial partnership. They felt a sense of um, just a connectivity to what our mission was. And here we are three, four years later, and now I don't have to have that conversation anymore, which is really cool. Um, on the business side here, you know, I, I really just kind of help the company understand the demographic that they're doing business with, which was the athlete. Maverick understood it because obviously he's done, he's done business with the biggest athlete in the world. Um, but everything else underneath, all those considerations are very important. I'm telling them, hey, this is how you have to approach it. This is what they're thinking. This is how you want to tell their story. This is this is where they've been misunderstood. This is where their messages have been misconstrued. And, you know, just those learnings, I feel like, has helped the company grow to what it is today as well. A win for us now at Uninterrupted, like I said, is it could be anything, man. I mean, we have documentaries with a Netflix docuseries, Showtime. We have HBO shows. Um, we're working on, you know, short films. We have... 
Um, beyond that, you know, we do the uh, apparel business now. We just launched a collaboration with Nike, our second one. Um, we have a few more coming up the pipeline. I mean, all of those things are just new and cool ways to not only build the company uh, from a, a financial standpoint, revenue standpoint, but again, just that brand equity in the space, which has skyrocketed over the last two years. That's one thing that I'm focused on is that making sure when people hear the name uninterrupted, they have a very specific feeling um, that is always positive. So it's interesting. This has become a crowded space. I mean, there's the Players' Tribune. Uh, yep. Athletes have their own YouTube channels like Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. There's obviously Twitter and Instagram where athletes have their own platforms, but they can't go mm-hmm. as deep as an Uninterrupted or a Players' Tribune. Yep. But how do you stand out from the crowd? The obvious answer in my mind is you know, LeBron and Maverick being a part of this is, is a lot of credibility there. But yep. other than that, when you're talking to athletes, how do you get them to choose you over the other platforms? Yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's the beauty of it. We don't try to get them to choose us over the other platforms. Other platforms might do that. We want you to, to we're, we're a partnership. We're a collaboration. We're, we're not, you know, some of the, the big networks that are, hey, we want this content. We own this content. We will get the credit for this. That's not what we do. We can add value to literally anything for an athlete at any level that they want us in on it. Right. And that's our value proposition that is, okay, you might have your own production company. That's incredible. Right. On this side, we have resources at Spring Hill, our sister company. We're doing Space Jam. We have access to the best directors, the best DPs, the best everything you can imagine that can help take your production company to the next level. Even if, you know, with what you're doing, we've done a lot of things that you don't realize are uninterrupted that aren't uninterrupted for that very reason because we want the athlete to get the credit. We want to position that athlete in a better spot than when he came. So where it might say, you know, they're the ones that did the production in their production company, we were behind the scenes helping them along every sense of the way because, you know, when we understand we have interactions like that and we prove that our number one goal is to empower them, as they grow in their spaces, they will always come back and partner with Uninterrupted, and that's what we've always seen. I want to talk about podcasting for a little bit. You do the Tomahawk podcast with Joe Thomas. You guys are great on that. Um, And then the one that I listen to all the time is the Kneading Dough podcast. And and I love those. Mm -hmm. It's obviously got more of a a sports business angle to it. But talk a little bit about those two podcasts because you're a podcast host now. You wear lots of different hats. And again, it's one of the things I really like about you is you do a lot of different things, whether it's director of business development podcast host, NFL Network, you're, you're doing lots yeah. of different things. But podcasting specifically, uh, what makes a good podcast, in your opinion? Um, I think, uh, the, I mean, there's a, there's a couple ways to answer that. But for me, I, with the podcast that I do, I try to make sure that my viewers um, feel like they want to be sitting in the room for the conversations. Right? I want them to feel like they're sitting across from me at a table and we're either having the conversation about what I'm talking about or they're a fly on the wall for a conversation that I'm having with somebody else. Right? Because, I mean, typically people listening to the podcast are doing something else. They're working out. They're in a car. Maybe they're just sitting there, you know, eating breakfast or what have you. Um, you want it to feel like, again, that they're getting interaction 
in a different kind of way. And that's the, those are the kind of podcasts I listen to. And again, that's what I try to you know maintain with the podcast I have. The Needing Dough one is special to me because of how it was born. Um, Needing Dough as a franchise was born because ESPN did a documentary, 30 for 30 Broke, right? And it talked about the pitfalls of athletes and how they squandered their money and, you know, things that can go really bad. And for a lot of athletes, it was a wake-up call, which is that was an incredible um, side effect of, of the podcast. But for Maverick, he didn't like how it positioned it as if all athletes went broke, or that's at least how a cons- consumers took from the podcast. So he's seen an opportunity to say, hey, I know plenty of athletes who are incredible with their money, so much so that they've actually made more money post-career than they did during it. And, you know, he wanted to tell those stories of athletes um, in a positive manner. And also for the people that did have pitfalls, if he has people on a stage or at a podcast that are talking about how they are 21 years old, they've never had money in their life, and now they have $10 million dumped on them, like that's going to be a, a tough learning curve for anybody. Right, so then it was also making the athlete more relatable and and giving the consumer insights into ah okay, that makes sense. So that's how I was born. And again, to be able to provide financial education, the feedback we've gotten from not just listeners, fans, um, other podcasters or networks, but also the athletes that also listen to the podcast and, and take that information and use it in their lives, like that's the coolest part of that show for me. Yeah, I really like the Rob Gronkowski one because a lot of people look at Gronk as, you know, a great football player, but they're like, oh, the guy's always dancing and partying and, you know, he probably blew all of his money. And then you listen to him and you learn that he saved every paycheck he had from when he played. He only spent his endorsement money. Dude's really, really sharp when it comes to business and partnerships. And it does wipe away that kind of dumb athlete feel that people may have had after they saw the the broke on on 30 for 30. So I like what you guys are doing. I think it's advice, frankly, that non-athletes can uh, find interesting as well. Just people in general who want to know how can I manage my money better and what are some tips to doing that? I think it's a a really good idea. Yeah, and exactly. And the Gronk example is a great example because he's actually a brilliant guy. You know, he puts on this, uh, the Gronk persona. Right. And, you know, he's fun and people love it, but I'm, I'm telling you, the guy is, he's brilliant. Tell you what, I hope he, I keep reading these things about, oh, he might come back and he hasn't turned in his retirement papers. I hope he's done because I think he has just as much, uh, potential post career as he did on the field. Don't you agree? I do agree, man. I've done an incredible job of building his brand and, and people just love to see him. People love, to interact with him and, and watch his content and just him be himself. And, yeah, I, I hope he doesn't come back. I hope he doesn't come back. And I, that's a decision he has to make. But for any athlete, you know, I can speak from experience here. Like, it, it is tough to say you're done and, and be done. Like, those thoughts do creep into your mind. Well, what if? Or am I actually done? This is something he's done since he was nine years old, eight years old. So, you know, letting go completely is always hard. NFL Network, uh, you do a variety of things for them. How do you like that? It's awesome to be back under, uh, you know, the NFL. Obviously, you know, you spend your whole life trying to get there uh, to play, and I never would imagine that here I am. I'd be creating content uh, for the NFL and to be one of the the former players that actually has one of the seats to be an analyst. You know, I wasn't a, a Super Bowl winner. I wasn't a perennial Pro Bowler. Um, 
So I, I view it as a real accomplishment to say, you know, hey, they must really like the content and they must really like um, my abilities on camera, you know, to, for me to have to made it this far. Well, I'll tell you this, too. I know that all the players associations and all the leagues do rookie orientation. They do trainings for current players to show them, like, here's what you can become after your career. You should be going to all of those in speaking because you really are an example of, look, here's what you can turn yourself into post-career. The fact that you went to Columbia during your NFL career and you saw the importance of earning a business degree, I, I think you're the, the poster guy for all of this. Well, I appreciate that, man. I mean, that, that's, yeah, the, the journey that I've had has been awesome. And, and that's when I get the most enjoyment, when I could talk to other guys. And, you know, I've talked to guys who have much bigger stars than, than I have, right? And that have, you know, done much more in sports and the game of football than I have who are looking to me for an advice, advice because then I tell them, I'm going to say, hey, if I'm able to, to do this. Imagine what you can do with the, the level of profile that you have. You know, and, and you're completely right, and that's that's what I always try to reiterate to the guys and when I speak, and, you know, it's just having the right mindset to, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. It's important to be an incredible football player and put your time in, but also use that as an opportunity um, because at the end of it, if you don't, you're going to be stuck with a little animosity because, you know, you, you feel like it all happened too quickly and you didn't take advantage of the things that you could have in the right amount of time. What were some of the courses you took at Columbia? Oh, geez, man, you put me on the spot. I can't even remember. I mean, corporate finance and everything from corporate finance to uh, the new age of digital. It's funny because everything that I'm doing now from a content perspective, like people always say, and, and you know, we talked about this as well, is like, hey, you're good on social media, you're good on digital. I learned all this at Columbia. Like these are actual courses. And the cool thing about the Columbia Sports Business Program is that they bring in those professionals that are working now to teach classes and to speak with the students on multiple bases. And it's like, they were basically telling me as I, at the end of my career, they were telling me exactly where media was going. So I was able to jump on that wave before anybody else. And even still, I'm kind of on the forefront where now other people are catching up. And that, that information is the reason why I've been able to do so well in broadcasting. Now that's great. And I know they have a terrific program uh, Joe Favorito is a good friend, so yeah. I know I know you know Joe, and uh, absolutely, you know it does make a difference when you're taking those courses and people from industry, people who are living and breathing it, are the mm. ones who are teaching you how to apply everything. Versus, you know, no offense, but the the bushy eyebrowed professor who's been there for 25 yeah. years yeah. and hasn't yeah. worked a day in the real world. When you're learning from the people who work in the real world, it really makes a difference. No question, man. Then again, that, that's the biggest value prop of the Columbia program is that, you know, I, I was learning from people who were actually doing it. And the cooler part is the, the kids that I went to school with and we all got our masters together. Here we are now executives in sports business and we do business together now. That's right? fine. Like I do business with guys I went to school with at the MLB or, you know, at La Liga and, uh, you know, relevant sports. And these are my classmates that I can call and say, hey, Here's what we got going on. What do you have going on? Boom, let's do some business from, you know, zone to Rock Nation. So that's been the really awesome part on this side of getting my degree from Columbia. You do use social media very well. What are a few tips that you would give to our listeners just in general on using social media, whether it's how to avoid pitfalls or how to use it successfully yeah. to promote what you're doing? 
Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, be yourself and be responsible are the first, you know, the rules one and two. Um, what I've learned and is, again, like your value on social media, your value as a brand, your value as a person is who you are. So many times I feel like 99% of social media and people in general are caught up in being some other thing that they may look up to, right? And you might like somebody that does, you know, whatever, and you're like, I want to do that too. Um, and, and this is also true of the broadcast game that I've, I've used is that on social media, I try to just show my personality, right? You know, I, I try to give people a real glimpse of, like, who I am as a person and, you know, what I'm into. Um, and by doing so, I create a space in their brains or, you know, in, in, in their allotment of the people that they follow that, oh, this is a space for Andrew Hawkins. I care what he says because he always has a different way of thinking. I'm not trying to say what the next person is saying. I'm not trying to do what the next person is doing. I'm trying to just be myself and give people, you know, a transparent look and, and the opportunity to make a choice. Do I like this person or not? Do I like their content or not? Do I like, you know, following or hearing what they have to say? And I know it sounds simple, but again, just so many people who are doing things, trying to be the next person, like in broadcasting. And, um, you know, my brother played nine years in the NFL. And when he got done, he went into broadcasting. And if you think my pipes are, are good, you should hear this guy because he's at least three octaves lower than me. <laughs> um, but going through broadcasting, I, I had a front row seat for it. And um, just watching him go through it, and, and the thing that he told me and his pitfall was, he's like, you know, you think that when you're going to broadcasting, you have to be a quote-unquote broadcaster the way that everyone else does. Um, but what the, the thing he told me going into it was, you will never be the next Stu Scott, right? You will never be, you know, the next Rich Eisen. You won't be the next John Gruden. I don't care in any way. You will always be the second best version of them. None of those guys can be the best Andrew Hawkins. So he told me, like, when you go into this, when you're doing the social media stuff, when you're doing the broadcasting, make sure you're putting yourself on full display because that gives you staying power because if people make the decision that they like that, that's, they can never replace you there. They can replace an ex-football player, an ex-receiver for this desk. They can replace an, you know, an ex-Bengal, an ex-Brown with another Brown, another Bengal, another football player. They cannot replace another Andrew Hawkins. So in everything that I do, that's what I try to put on the forefront. Now, that's really, really good advice. Be unique and, uh, you know, be authentic. I, I, I can't tell you how many people I've met after following them on social media and in person. They're nothing like what they presented themselves on social media. And I'm like, whoa, that's just so right. different than, than how I thought they would be. Right. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. So some future goals for you. Uh, you've accomplished so much already, but, you know, if you're built like I think you are, you still have a lot of things you want to do and accomplish. And there's probably things that are coming that uh, whether they're technologies or just different spaces, like I know streaming is a huge space right now for uh, yep. Disney Plus and Apple Plus and Peacock and all these different uh, platforms are launching. What are some things that you're looking off at in the future and saying, you know what, that's what I want to be a part of? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I want to, you know, just do more from a content perspective and, and producing and uh, kind of behind the show work and, and watching everything come together. That's one thing I'm passionate about. Um, beyond that, I can see myself honestly 
working for a front office of the team hmm. soon. Um, just, just from the, I mean, my thing was, I always wanted to be a general manager, which was originally why I even went to, to Columbia in the first place to get a head start there. Um, you know, but I mean, as things happen, you realize, I mean, I've had opportunities, I've had offers to do to join front offices. Um, you know, some in the NFL, actually NBA team as well, uh, reached out, you know, but I'm always looking for the right opportunity. And on this side of it, you know, football, I don't get to choose who my quarterback is, right? I don't get to choose who my left tackles are. Um, and you know, so when we're, we're working together, we have to figure out, you know, how we get to that common goal with people that you might not be friends with. But on this side of it, I want to make sure now that I've played football and I've done well in my career, when I make the decision of places I want to work, I want to make sure it's with people I want to work with. So every opportunity that comes along, you know, I don't have to jump at it, which is a blessing. Um, but I could see that if the, if the right head coach came calling or the right general manager or the right, you know, owner with the right staff came calling and something I'm excited about, people excited to work with the people, I could see me jumping into uh, a front office sometime over the next five to ten years. I think you'd be great. And I think you would really uh, create a great culture there. Obviously, as a former player, you understand things from a a different vantage point. But the fact that you have the business degree from Columbia and you just seem really well-rounded. So uh, I would be excited to follow whatever team that, that you become a part of. Hey, before I let you go, I got to talk a little NFL with you and, and get inside of that brain of yours. I am so pleased with how Lamar Jackson is playing. And, you know, he's become a sneaky MVP candidate. And look what he's doing in Baltimore. One of the things I really like what the Ravens have done is instead of saying, Lamar, you got to fit into the offense that we created, they brought in coaches and they – customized everything about their offense to his strengths. Tell me about your thoughts on, on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit it on that. He's done an incredible, incredible job, and the coaching staff has done a great job adapting um, to the play of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is dynamic, and that's putting it lightly. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I get, you know, and it's it's, it's kind of connected to the conversation we've just had, right? Yep. That's why I asked Things you about him. A certain way for so long, right? Everyone Jedi mind tricks themselves into thinking that's the only way to do it. You know, like you can't play quarterback if you don't look like Peyton Manning, if you don't play like Tom Brady. Well, guess what? It's not true. The you know, the whole point of being quarterback is to score points, right? And here goes Lamar Jackson, who can score points in a ton of ways. And the coaching staff brilliantly said, "Hey." We're going to scrap everything we've done over the last decade and a half. And this is a coaching staff who has won Super Bowls. This is a organization that has won, won multiple Super Bowls. Um, so it's brilliant on them to say, you know what, let's change this up. Let's run an offense that no one's ever seen before in a way that most NFL quarterbacks have never run it uh, to, give our chance of, to give our team the best chances of winning. And Lamar Jackson has done it flawlessly. I mean, he has more total yards by himself than eight NFL teams. Wow. And, you know, that's, 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 a, that's amazing. It's a testament to Lamar Jackson, who has done it on every level the same way he's doing it now. So I don't know why we're surprised. But at the same time, kudos to the coaching staff for having a sense of mind to say, hey, let's, let's change things up and, uh, and, and really risk it all to be great. 
Well, I don't know him, but like you, he's a grinder. He doesn't take no for an answer. And, you know, all these people drafting him saying, oh, he's got to play wide receiver and he can't play quarterback. Man, he has proven everyone wrong. You know, when when I hear him speak, man, I I just – and he's young. He's, he's what, 21, 22 years old maybe. But, like, he is – you can just feel the the passion from the kid. And, again, I know we're used to seeing the franchise quarterback, you know – like the, top, the the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's who have such a command of a room and an offense and a team, it's just refreshing and cool to see, like, this kid who just wants to play football. Every press conference you see, he's just like, dude, I don't know. I, I just want to play ball. And, you know, there's a mic'd up clip that the Ravens put out from this uh, from the October 20th game um, that, you know, it's fourth and two, and the coach asks him, hey, do you want to go for it? And he's like, yeah, coach, I want to go for it. And he turns to his team and says, do you want to go for it? Let's go. But, and it, it gave me chills, man, because even as an NFL player, it's hard to find quarterbacks with that kind of passion. And he just seems like a guy who really enjoys the game, and it makes you think of all the cool things of the sport that is the entire reason we all love it and the reason why we got into it in the first place. All right, last question. We're about halfway through the season. Uh, Niners are undefeated. Patriots look just incredible. And they just added mm-hmm. uh, Sanu at wide receiver, so they've got even yep. better depth at wide receiver now. Who do you like the rest of the way? Uh, I like the Patriots. I like the Patriots and uh, the Saints. I got the Patriots and the Saints as the, 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 the Super Bowl can, the Super Bowl matchup for this year, man. I, I, I just the defense. The Patriots have a defense, and they don't. I know we're so used to seeing them play great. Their defense. Reminds me of the defense that the Patriots had in the early 2000s because that was actually the bread and butter of their team. So to have that defense and still have Tom Brady and still have weapons like Edelman and Sanu and you know Josh Gordon and these guys, yeah, I, I think they're just going to be a very very tough squad to compete with. So I, I see them going to the Super Bowl and most likely winning it. To be honest, yeah, and with the Saints. What a job Teddy Bridgewater has done. I mean, he hasn't lost yes. a game as the starter since Drew Brees went down, and what a luxury for the Saints to have Teddy Bridgewater be able to step in and, and you don't miss a beat. No, absolutely, man. I, I can remember the draft uh, that Teddy Bridgewater got, got drafted, and, and you know we passed on him, and he ended up going to the, the Vikings, and he plays great at the Vikings. And, you know, the unfortunate injury where they almost amputated his leg. It's crazy. So... I mean, just the fact that he's in the NFL, again, he is a guy who understands he is on, he's playing with house money now, and he's, he's done an incredible job. And next year, you know, if, if the Saints let him, if they don't lock him up for a long-term contract, which they'd be wise to do since, you know, Drew Brees is admittedly at the end of his career, he's going to be a starter for somebody's organization next year because he's proved that he is the guy. He can command a room and, you know, he can keep an offense moving. Andrew Hawkins, follow him on Twitter at Hawk. Subscribe to the Tomahawk podcast or Needing Dough podcast. Both highly recommend those. They're just really good. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of the interview, uh, I just like how you grind. I love your path. I love your hard work. And, and I'm really excited for your success. So thanks for taking the time to join me. I couldn't thank you enough, man. I appreciate you having me. Excited to come back. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Guests appearing on Sports Business Radio will receive a dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. No more dry cleaning and no wrinkles. 
It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. It's the most comfortable dress shirt I've ever worn. Head on over to MizzenMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. My guest is Greg Serpak. He is the president and chief operating officer of Second Skull. You can find them online at secondskull.com. Find them on Twitter and Instagram at Second Skull. I follow them. You guys were kind enough to send me Second Skull headbands for my daughter after she suffered a concussion on the soccer field recently. She loves your product. I felt much better with her wearing your headband after she returned from her concussion. I became familiar with Second Skull after having pro soccer player Megan Klingenberg on Sports Business Radio, and she works with your company. Greg, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and to speak with you today. Yeah, let's get into, I always love talking to uh, people about how their company started. Like, what's the need you saw out there, and, and how did Second Skull get started? Yeah, it goes back to 2012. Uh, our founder, Federico Oliveras, was actually uh, watched one of his children fall off of their bicycle uh, and sustained a, you know, a pretty alarming uh, head injury. And, and I think, you know, as the as the dust settled and, and thankfully, you know, this this particular situation turned out OK, Federico said there's got to be a better way. Um, helmets, you know, certainly um provide the first layer of defense and and you know there's there's also a situation in times where when you need that first layer of defense that it may fall off or be not fitted appropriately and actually not do what it was intended for so going back to 2012 we've been um, marketing and selling protective headgear products and we pride ourselves in, in balancing protection with performance uh, because you know we also understand that there are barriers and you know perhaps hesitations uh, of of people who just want the you know protection for their child or protection for themselves and it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing that you know that that creates a layer of resistance as well. How does the technology work? I know you have a few different products. Again, my daughter wore the headband on the soccer field, but I know you have the soft skull caps and a few different products. But how does the technology work? Yeah, a great question. The technology is fascinating. So we uh, we use a, a substance called poron XRD. This um, you know scientifically engineered material is soft and flexible when it's at rest, but when it's presented with impact, 
the molecules harden instantaneously. Hmm. Uh, so they provide this absorbing uh, or help to absorb the impact. And there's, you know, also we've, we've enhanced just that, that layer of technology. We've included, um, you know, basically low friction panels to surround this uh, layer of scientifically engineered uh, miraculous material to also provide a slip plane. Uh, so then there's a, a better uh, opportunity to absorb and dissipate both linear impacts as well as rotational impacts. Where are the products mostly in use today that you have? Uh, today we've got, you know, what you would expect in most of the, the popular and contact sports, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, and then certainly in the, in the soccer and rugby areas. Uh, what's also happened in a, in a very organic fashion for us over the years is a presence in the cycling, BMX, snowboarding, hmm. uh, action sports space, and then equestrian and paintball. And then we've also, uh, we've, you know, we've, although the product was originally intended, uh, I think, to be, you know, to serve this athlete, uh, we've also had some inroads in the industrial and military and then the rehabilitative space within uh, the medical community as well. It's so interesting after talking to Megan and, and obviously my daughter plays soccer, just learning, like most people are stunned to find out there are more concussions in soccer than there are in the NFL. And you wouldn't think that, but when you're a parent like me and you see your child suffer a concussion on the soccer field, you're like, wow, they really do need some form of protective gear. At least the football players have helmets on on the soccer field. You know, they've got nothing on. It's scary. I think, you know, there's a lot of headlines and certainly a lot of press around what ha- what's happening in football. When you look at what's happening in other sports, and, and you've hit on one there with soccer, uh, not only is there, uh, you know, perhaps a higher incidence, and in, in football does lead the lead the pack here. Let's be clear. And you know, with the one of the stats that we look at is the number of reported head injuries per 1,000 participants. Uh, so what you see in like 11 player football is somewhere in the neighborhood of 44, 45. What you see in ice hockey, 35, um, just under 35. Uh, incidences, and you expect to see a steep decline or drop-off. But when you get to soccer, you see 13.9 on the men's side or boys' side and then 25 on the girls' side. So not only is there a, you know, a, a higher prevalence of the injury, but then there's, you know, there's also some, some concern just about uh, in sports where we, say, where we share the same rules, like basketball and soccer, where you know, in the girls' and women's side, there's also a higher incidence. Why do you think that is? I've tried to figure that out. I cannot figure it out. Yeah, interesting. You know, there's some really compelling work going on in, uh, within the state of Michigan as well. I you know, really applaud what's, what's happening with their high school uh, scholastic uh, and athletic departments. They are collecting data um, to, to zero in on exactly that question. Is the uh, reported number of incidents, are these happening in practice? Is it person to person? Is it person to object, person to ground? I think the short answer is, you know, we're still learning and gathering uh, additional data. Uh, to help answer that question, but there are differences in terms of when the uh, when the injuries are happening and what they're happening against. It's just a little. It's just to date, I haven't seen anything conclusive um, or you know consistent enough to say, okay, now here's the path we should go down. So, second goal has been awarded a grant from the NFL. What have you done with that money to advance player safety? And I, again, I know one of your products is you've got the soft helmet that goes under the football helmet. But what are some of the things you've done with that grant? Yeah, that grant uh, specifically, there's a, an event uh, competition uh, format uh, in 2017, which was called the uh, Head Health uh, Tech Challenge 2. 
So as a winner of that uh, competition, we earned a $100,000 grant. We had a working with um, some individuals uh, at Duke University as well as some project management folks at the National Football League. We were, we were challenged to deliver some very, very specific uh, milestones and objectives. Those included and were centered around breathability and comfort. Uh, we did that R&D work. We did uh, quite a bit of testing on the product as well. And at the end of July, we launched what we call our ProCap. And I think there's a few I'm happy to say we delivered on each of those objectives and milestones that we were asked. But I think there's a few takeaways in there that are important as we think about uh, positioning this product um, as, a, as a helpful part of the solution going forward. And those are um, a standard skull cap today, which is used in just under 25% of athletes in the NFL for other reasons, aesthetics, hair management, perspiration management, uh, perhaps just athlete pre- uh, preference. We deliver protective benefit. Now we're also in the same heat category and heat transfer category as a skull cap that provides no protection. Uh, we've also been able to achieve a, a thinner profile, maintaining that level of protection, but the, the floating protective layer uh, that I, I talked about earlier is now at a, at a thickness of two millimeters. Wow. So what is the next step for Second Skull? How do you become mainstream? How do you you know, get on the head of every soccer player, lacrosse player, and obviously football players? Yeah, I'm really excited as I look forward. I think it starts where... Um, partnering with uh, the right folks. I'm very happy we're nearing completion of a few, uh, what I would describe as game-changing or mainstream partnerships. Uh, hopefully, I can come back and tell you a little bit more about those in the near future. Yeah, uh, this is part. This is part of that messaging as well. I think it's it's alerting the the, the folks who might be concerned, who listen to your program, uh, who might casually come across this while searching online. So there's got to be some additional uh, protection, but it starts with with general. Uh, awareness, but what makes me really happy as I look forward is I, I think one important um, milestone began for us in, in October of 2017, which was to begin to secure uh, wearable and sensor embedded technology, uh, a patent for that technology where we can measure and communicate real time impact data. So I think data right now very very popular in many spaces. People want to know, um, parents want to know, coaches want to know, sideline medical. Uh, personnel want to know. So I think we have an opportunity to help fight some much larger scale issues, things like why is participation down? How might that be linked to childhood obesity? Um, what's happening with uh, the number of impacts collected to the head? Um, what about those subconcussive repetitive blows over time? Um, how many by position, by player, um, by player body type, um, by location on the head? How are these hits and how is the, the data that we can collect uh, about these hits uh, may be part of that long-term uh, better understanding, I think, that we all uh, you know, universally uh, crave. Well, you're doing important work. I certainly appreciate it. It's interesting. I'll, I'll give you some quick feedback, too. I think you've got two audiences. You've got the parents, like me, who want their children protected when they're on the playing field, but then you've got the athletes themselves. And you know, it's so funny. So much of today's athlete is, do I look cool on the field? Is my uniform cool or my shoes cool? And sometimes wearing a protective helmet or headband, they might not think it looks cool, but my daughter actually loved wearing the headband. She had the black one. She had the pink one. Uh, she wore the pink one during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And she really liked it. So I was like, okay, they're on to something here because if she thinks it looks cool and she's comfortable wearing it, 
then I win the battle of I want you having an extra layer of protection while you're out on the field too. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm happy to hear that. You know, we you know, we do pride ourselves in balancing performance with protection. You know, one thing that we speak of is how do we provide invisible protection, which is our way of saying offering protection through traditional-looking headgear. Um, the stuff that we sell is already adopted by professionals and in use, again, you know, nearing the 25 percentile mark in the NFL of skull caps, headbands, uh, rugby headgear, seven-on-seven headgear. But it can't be enormous and bulky to the point where I think it either impacts the performance of the athlete because at the end of the day, you know, we're all, we're all trying to be better at our, at our you know, given passion and where our, where our interests lie. So we don't want to encumber that performance element, but we want to provide some protection. And, I, you know, I would say also if you, if you do, you know, are, be able to find a few minutes and go to secondscall.com, I think you'll learn a lot in the product testing. I think our brand assets are cool. <laughs> I think, you know, the logo, uh, the script, everything about the brand is, in, is really aimed at exactly what you just said. Let's, let's find out and identify the reasons that have been barriers uh, historically to athletes accepting this type of technology, and let's start to break them down. Greg, where can people find your product? You mentioned secondskull.com. Uh, is that the exclusive place to buy your product, or can they find it at retail somewhere as well? Uh, we are available in retail, some leading uh, sporting goods uh, retailers. Dick Sporting Goods, for instance, is one. Um, we are available on Amazon. Uh, Amazon.com uh, carries all of our products. And again, I think to learn more about the product um, and to certainly research uh, our work and where we're heading second skull that's 2nd skull.com it it would probably be the best uh, single source uh, to direct your listeners greg serpak the president and chief operating officer of second skull you mentioned the website second skull.com also go to second with a two nd skull on twitter and instagram greg thanks for joining us keep up the great work and thank you so much for providing my daughter with an extra layer of safety and protection as she returned to the soccer field it made a big difference for her and certainly made me feel a lot better i appreciate this opportunity to be able to connect with your audience i appreciate you helping us to get the word out i'm happy to hear uh you know your daughter continues to to thrive in in her sport of soccer and hopefully you know she's been able to return with some confidence you've been able to return uh, or re- help her to return with some assurance, and, and we appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your uh, the opportunity to connect with um, you know, Sports Business Radio. All right, we will talk to you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Open Doors helps athletes share content on social. Founded in 2012 by two former Nebraska football players, Open Doors has become the world's leading athlete marketing platform. More than 6,000 athletes around the world use Open Doors to receive content from partners and publish to their personal social channels like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all with one click. Open Doors makes it easier than ever before for brands, including sponsors and licensees and properties, to push approved content through the player's social channels. Leading sports organizations like the PGA Tour, NFL Players Association, Major League Baseball Players Association, the LPGA, and dozens of professional and collegiate sports teams use the platform to send video highlights, photos, GIFs, and more to athletes. The publishing process is very easy and convenient. Once registered, athletes receive a text message when their team, league, or brand partner has content for them to share on social media. The athlete simply reviews the content and hits approve. Open Doors does the rest. If you're an athlete, start using Open Doors as a tool today to build your personal brand and maximize your value on social media. 
If you're a brand trying to connect with athletes who you thought you'd never be able to gain access to on your own, Open Doors is your solution. Open Doors makes athletes more accessible to the people who support them. Visit opendoors.com or follow them on social media at opendoors. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Bust. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.